and welcome to Miles to Memories. I'm Sean Coomer, your host. I'm back from my trip, joined by Mark Osterman and Joe Chung. We have a great show for you. I'm going to talk about my trip and where I stayed, what I liked, and what was a little bit disappointing. Plus, we're going to dive into the best travel apps for 2021 and travel hacking blind spots, things that we had no idea of when we got started, plus rapid fires and more. If you like this show, please consider subscribing. mtmpodcast.com is where you can go for that. And if you want to dive deeper into the world of miles and points, check out our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash miles to memories. $10 a month gets you access to our private Facebook and Discord groups, plus bonus content every single week. Thanks so much for listening. Let's hit it. What's up, guys? It's good to be back. I uh, went to Disneyland and uh, stared at the entrance, and then I drove back home. So it was a great trip. Already. Okay, we're ready to go. <laughs> there you go. Drinking game uh, started, but I saw I saw so Mickey Mouse's ears. Boy, Mark. Yeah, exactly. Who's the other just one? Couldn't Who's resist. the other one? <laughs> we'll never know. Paid, he paid me five dollars to update, start off please, with uh, Disney. Please update your review so we can you specify names. Who's the other frat boy? We need to know. <laughs> yeah, we we got the one nailed down for sure. But Joe, I, we're going to push Mark aside for a second. It was kind of sad to see Disneyland closed, even though I, I was a little bittersweet yeah, seeing gonna, it. I was excited, but sad. I was going to ask you, I wasn't sure whether I should be jealous or not, because how does it feel going through the gates, but not being able to ride anything? I saw that picture you sent of like every single ride being closed instead of having wait times. I don't know. <laughs> I, I couldn't I couldn't tell whether I was jealous or whether it would just be sad to be in there. Maybe a little bit of both. Yeah, a little bit of both, I guess. I I don't know. It didn't bother me too much. I was filming a lot of it, so I guess I wasn't paying too much attention to how sad I was. Ellie seemed to have a good time walking around, and she was excited to see this stuff. Of course, she did say she wanted to go on the rides, which she couldn't. Uh, you know, Tower of Terror, Guardians of the Galaxy ride is her favorite. So she got to get really close to that, but didn't get to ride it. But it was neat. We didn't buy anything. We just walked around and, you know, got to see Disneyland's entrance and it, it was cool. It's, you know, downtown Disney is a mall. So you walk around. We were only there probably an hour and a half, two hours. Is it as good as Disney fun. Springs? No. I mean, it's located it's better possible. than Disney Springs, though, because it's right next to two theme parks, whereas Disney Springs, you got to travel away. So I think you would well, like you know, downtown Disney. You know what's really good? The Universal one. <laughs> City Walk, yeah. yeah. Oh, I just had to get that in there. Okay, moving on. I don't know. I don't like City Walk... At least the Hollywood version. I mean, I liked it when I was like 20 years old, but now, I don't know. It doesn't seem that great. I was wondering, Sean, did you not eat there? And do you, can you walk through California Adventure, Hollywood Boulevard, even without any reservations or anything? You can just walk in? Yeah, I wasn't sure how it was going to work, but uh, we just walked in. And they have capacity restrictions, so you can line up if it gets full in there. So they count everybody that goes through the gates. So what it worked was we, we paid $10 to park in the downtown Disney lot. Walk through downtown Disney through security. You go through multiple different layers of security. So a temperature screening uh, place and then eventually through like the bag checks and downtown Disney's open. And then there's a separate way to get into California Adventure. But if it's not full, which it wasn't, you just walk right in. So, yeah. And we didn't we didn't eat anything. Almost got popcorn at one point, but we didn't. And I don't know. It was just more just to walk around and see it. And it felt good. Kind of sad, but it was good to do that. And then we spent the rest of the time going to the beach and and uh, enjoying that stuff. So didn't go down just for Disneyland. I want to be clear on that, but uh, it was a nice little stop along the way. Also went to SeaWorld, which was open for animals, but no uh, no rides. So taking these uh, parks and uh, taking all the fun out of them, and uh, we're still going. So there you go. 
Way to bury the lead. You went to the original Del Taco, too. Well, you know what, you know what's crazy, Mark, is I had wanted to go there like just to eat there, even though it's not called Del Taco anymore for years and never took the time to get off the road to do it. And COVID seems to have killed the Burger Den, which is what is in the original Del Taco location in Yermo, California. You can still visit the second oldest Del Taco in Barstow, about 15 miles away from there. Isn't that kind of weird that they leave the, the the original Del Taco sign up, even though it's not a Del Taco? Like, really? I think the owners put up saying just so people know that it's that building, but it's not owned by no, Del Taco like, anymore. I guess the Del Taco people, like the the big fanatics, will go there and then order a burger. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I don't know um, why you'd keep it up there, but you would think it just Del Taco would, you know, have some pride and keep it open just because it was the original, but oh well. I forget the history. If you go to the second oldest, which is still a Del Taco in Barstow, they have the history of why that building. I think the building was because it's more of like a walk-up counter. I just think that the location isn't ideal. It's in kind of this small town. And so I just feel like they sort of moved to Barstow, opened up their other locations and then just got rid of it. But it's a piece of history. There's also Calico Ghost Town in that area, which is a really old, like, 1800s uh, mining town. And some other cool things, the abandoned water park, that's really a lot of YouTube videos about it. It's about 10 minutes away from there. So a lot of cool little stupid things to see uh, in Yermo slash Barstow. Did you ever hit the water park when you guys would go from California to, to Vegas when it was open as a kid? No, I, I drove by it. I remember seeing it open when I was a kid and then it closed down for a while and then it reopened, I think in the nineties. And uh, yeah, I saw it plenty of times. The lake there, they used to have this full reservoir and everything that's all dried up now. So, and now it's just full of graffiti. And of course it's, it's become so popular for people who drive between Vegas and LA to go stop in there and film it and stuff. But it's kind of like um, Boblo Island around here. Everybody remembers that and it's closed. It's on an Island, obviously because of the name rest in peace, Boblo Island. People used to take a ferry to it. It was pretty cool. And everybody that lived in the, you know, the Michigan, northern Ohio area would go there all the time. But now it's dead. Well, in I the old days of travel, you would actually have to go somewhere and just like figure it out. Can you imagine like that, that water park we're talking about, just driving like from L.A. two hours into the middle of the desert to go to a water park? Now there's apps. You can find reviews of the water park. You can find the latest, you know, what's going on with it. And it's a different world in 2021. And so... We thought we'd highlight the best apps, best travel apps that we're using. And Zoe brought us a list on the site of the best travel apps. And I went through them. And are there any on the list, you guys? I mean, Google Maps is one. There's quite a few others. Uh, Maps.me, you know, of course, Uber, ride sharing. What stood out to you guys? I'm kind of like an old man that I don't use apps as much as I probably should. Like, I don't even like booking flights on my phone. I'd rather do it on the computer, but Google Maps is a big go-to for me. Even if you don't have international cell service, download the map before you get to your location. It, you know, if you're in a place that you're not going to get cell service and you can use it just like you would if you were online, which is pretty impressive and, and kind of crazy. I wish Google Flights had a an app, but that's what I usually use for flights and stuff. I think she used Skyscanner which I've never really gotten into, but that's something I probably should check out. And of course, Uber, the rideshare, that type of thing. Any airline apps, I will use like an airline or, or hotel app when it's already booked and I'm going there, you know, for updates and stuff like that, or to check where my seat is, or if you don't want to print a ticket, you can use it that way. As you all know, I've written an article that I still print the paper ticket pretty much every time just because I'm, I'm uh, can I say anal? I don't know. I'm anal. <laughs> Beep! <laughs> Cannot. Now you because can't I'm, say it? No, because like, I'm... If, you, if you're weird about it, you can't say it, but... <laughs> just, 
There was no problem to say well, it. Like got, oh, well, now we got outtakes. If, if now we got a beep. I'm excited. <laughs> well, I'm old school, and I like to have the paper thing. And it comes in handy. You know, you watch people go into to board a flight, and their their app's not opening up, or their phone dies, or their watch isn't working, whatever. So I always have the paper one. Even if I do use my phone, I always have the paper print off just in case. And then that some places will ask you for it if you're going through customs and stuff. And if you haven't taken a screenshot of your boarding pass when you boarded and you go to pull out your phone, it's not going to be there anymore. And you're like, oh, crap, I don't know what, what I'm supposed to show them. So I always print it off just because it takes a couple seconds and it's pretty easy. So those are the main ones I use. You know, internationally, if I don't have service, I'll use Facebook Messenger as my text when I have Wi-Fi. Uh, and then you can use uh, uh, that for, for phone calls, too, as well, or FaceTime if you have an Apple phone, stuff like that. So what about you, Joe? I think what stood out to me was Google Translate. I haven't used it yet, but I've just been hearing so many good things about it recently that I really want to check it out and try it. You know, one really great tip that Zoe had was, and this goes for Google Maps as well, but she said, download all the packages for whatever languages and maps, et cetera, you need on Wi-Fi when you're still at home so that if you don't have good service when you get overseas, you can use it. So I really love what I've been hearing about Google Translate. I feel like it would make life so much easier than it was even 10 years ago. I, I remember like before my honeymoon, I was trying to like learn some Spanish just to get by. Uh, for our honeymoon. So I think Google Translate is great. And so I'm looking forward to one day uh, getting out there and getting to use it again. So I have had the opportunity to use Google Translate in China uh, a few years ago. And having traveled in China many times without Google Translate, I will say that it's incredibly helpful when you're in a place where you can't find an English speaker just to get very basic information. And I've used it in other countries where it can read the signs and translate them. In China, the most stuff tends to be in English. And I think the technology just keeps getting better and better there. Uh, XE Currency Exchange, that's a good app to have if you're going to be somewhere where you're not going to have internet you know, all the time and you're moving countries because um, it can be very hard to keep track of currency exchanges, even if you're crossing just a few borders. I've done that quite a lot where you're on a trip for a couple weeks and you're in your fourth country with fourth different currency and you forget. And then you're at a place where you don't have good internet and you're just trying to figure out what the rates are. So that's another another good one, but I'm, I'm sort of like Mark and I don't have too many apps uh, on my phone uh, for that stuff. But of course I use all the airline and hotel apps as well. But yeah, things like Google Translate are, are some of the most exciting apps for travel because they really just uh, brings an ease of tr to travel that didn't exist before. You don't have to be as worried that nobody's ever gonna be able to understand you. And in a place like China, I mean, I've been in the middle of China where there wasn't an English speaker for miles and trying to, to, to try to communicate has been very difficult. And now that's sort of a thing of the past, at least for basic, I guess, phrases. I don't know that the translation was always good because we would put in stuff and then the person would loosely understand what we wanted, but not exactly. So there's always still that problem with how do you take like a phrase in English and put it into another language and vice versa. But yeah, it's a great app. I think one thing I'd suggest if this works for you, a lot of times I will download apps just for the trip and I'll un uninstall them when I get home. And it is okay because ideally, if you use an app a lot, you know how to use it better and you know how to maximize it better. But still, even in places like Disney World, I will download some Disney related apps just for the week and then uninstall them. So one tip if you're trying to keep your phone clean. 
Yeah, those those Disney apps will eat your batteries. So uh, yeah, yeah, to, Disney to... Play app garbage, yeah. but you need it for the kids in line. So the other thing Zoe mentioned is VPNs, and those can be very good, obviously for privacy. And then in certain countries where internet is restricted, uh, like China, they can help you reach websites, social media, things like that. I will say she has a post that uh, is coming out in the next couple of days about VPNs in China, like which ones are the best ones to use, because that's where she's actually based when she's not stranded on Tonga. So that'll be a good post to check out for when you're whenever you're doing a future trip, like which the best one so you can get on all the social media or whatever you want to get get on while you're there. I encourage everybody to read Zoe's stuff. I think it's an interesting perspective uh, because of what she does. You know, she's been to North Korea. She d- she does a tour agency through North Korea, lives in Asia, stranded on Tonga. So, and she's not into miles and points, but she's a traveler. So she takes a different perspective on things. And you notice that on this list, you know, there's no miles and points apps or anything like that. So she kind of gives you a different perspective to look at and it will open your mind up to other things. And I, I love her writing and, and all her articles, so definitely encourage you all to check it out. Once you find one of her articles, click her name and then look at all her other stuff. We're lucky to have her. Absolutely. And to your point, we had with Ryan last week and, and Zoe and so much of the content. It's just very unique stuff that we're trying to, to put out there in addition to the regular Miles and Points stuff. And certainly Zoe not only is experienced and has a tremendous life and lives a tremendous life, but what she shares with us is uh, is really great. And yeah, so definitely check it out. Pat her on the uh, on the back. All right, let's move on. I, I, I guess I'd talk about my trip so Mark can make fun of me for the next uh, 15 minutes and and uh, say uh, how boring I am and how I just go to theme parks. But I did go to three Hyatts this last week and I had varying levels of uh, fun there. So I thought it would be worth sharing uh, those experiences. What, uh, what kind of status did you use while you were there? <laughs> The same status that you use when you go to Hyatt, Mark, except I don't walk through the door screaming that I'm a globalist like you, you know, you and the hordes of new globalists as they go in. I've been doing this <laughs> oh, for a while. I'm kind of used screen. to it. He looks they already know who I am. I don't have to tell them. So. <laughs> Our 30 nights beyond. <laughs> yeah, that's, see, that's what I think. I think you and all your 30 night people are rushing in there. I'm a globalist. I'm a glo-. Us experienced globalists don't have to do that. We, we're, we know who we are. They know who we are. It's just fine. So that's how it all works. By the way, quick plug, Mark's article on how much money he actually ended up spending on Globalist, I highly recommend you guys should check that out. Now, Sean, before we talk about your Hyatts, uh, just in case people don't know, where did you go? And you drove, right? Mark is a poor man's Globalist. <laughs> All right. So yeah, we, we actually drove from our house down to Disneyland and did that. And then we stayed the first night at the Hyatt Regency Newport Beach, which... I had wanted to stay at because it's it's one of the more affordable Hyatts, I guess, in the whole Southern California area at 12,000 points a night. And they recently renovated their rooms. It sits right near the water, like near a marina. So it's not right next to the beach, but very close to Pacific Coast Highway, about two blocks away or something like that. And I found the, the Hyatt Regency Newport Beach to be a really lovely resort. I think it'd be a really nice place in the summer. They have three different pools. It's kind of like bungalow style hotel rooms, and some of them have exterior entries to the room so it feels kind of motelly in that way but as far as the lobby and the public areas and the rooms they're pretty good the rooms were just renovated and uh, they're pretty standard Hyatt Regency renovated rooms which is to say they're pretty good but um, this property they cut back on their breakfast pretty bad which was uh, a little disappointing but everything else was really good yeah so you sent us some pictures of the breakfast now were you expecting better breakfast? I just figured right now, like no one is doing breakfast. So what was 
disappointing about the breakfast to you? Joe is uh, triggering me here because, yeah, most full-service hotels are doing breakfast uh, these days. The only ones who are not are the ones that are kind of cheating their customers, and that's the way I think High Regency Newport Beach is doing it. They're is basically the giving you – Because I thought, I thought Hyatt places were doing – takeout but Hyatt Regency is a full service hotel though so they 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 are a full service hotel because they have a restaurant and that's the, I see. the difference yeah I see what you mean so, so yeah so, I mean so what were you supposed to get and then what did you get no again I, I they feel like they were doing things all right they have a like a coffee area like a kind of a, a wannabe Starbucks and so they moved their breakfast to there to everything pre-packaged and that's not necessarily a bad thing um, but it was just really low quality stuff like lower than McDonald's quality kind of really old breakfast sandwiches and stuff like that. No variety or anything. And again, this is a full, I, I, I'm really a proponent, Joe, of holding hotels to where they're supposed to be. So a Hyatt Regency being you know, a, a full service hotel, they should serve food. That's the equivalent of full service food. As uh, I stated, two other Hyatts, the Grand Hyatt in San Diego and a Park Hyatt. And those are both ser- serving not only full service food, but the level of food that they would serve non-pandemic. So your problem with the Hyatt Regency Newport wasn't that the food was prepackaged per se, but it was that the food was prepackaged and it was garbage. Yeah, it was like frozen McMuffins and stuff. I mean, I'm sure that they actually made them, but it, yeah, it just wasn't restaurant quality or any quality. It wouldn't be, if they give it for free at a Hyatt place, you wouldn't like it or be happy with it. That's sort of what I'm saying. I Again, I didn't complain to the hotel. I don't think that you complain about stuff like that, especially right now. The room was great. I think the hotel is beautiful. I would even stay there because it is a decent value at 12,000 points a night or actually 9,000 after the rebate right now. So I want to be clear that I'm not, I never went to the hotel or complained or anything like that. But considering I went to the Grand Hyatt in San Diego and uh, of course the Park Hyatt following this and experienced much better policies towards it, I just felt it was worth uh, pointing out. Um, again, nothing that I think I would complain about. And I don't think anybody, uh, if that's the biggest problem in a hotel stay right now, I think that that's pretty good. Quick question from Doug in the chat. Did they give you a daily meal credit because of that? Or was it just you it know, was just the prepackaged pre- breakfast and that was it? It was one item and one drink. The good part of it was they did have like kind of a Starbucks kind of menu. So you could order those types of coffees, but you got one item. So for us, a one item was like a one McMuffin with one egg and a, and a McMuffin. There was no sides or there was no anything the, else. They got the sandwich and the coffee from Speedway down the street. Yeah, it was Yeah, it was about a $2 uh, meal. That was Our bill was, I think, $60 for the three of us uh, that they, of course, comp for the status. But uh, it was pretty weak when you consider we went to the Grand Hyatt. They had a grab-and-go, same exact thing, grab-and-go. They didn't have their restaurant open, but the, the food quality was what you would get in a restaurant. So they didn't cheap out on the food, and uh, they did really well there. The Park Hyatt had just reopened their restaurant, and uh, they were actually doing full-service breakfast out on the patio, which was uh, beautiful overlooking the coast. So that actually uh, was great because it just felt almost like normal times because you were actually eating in a restaurant. You know, it felt like you were getting uh, your money's worth, and uh, – there, they gave us $120 credit for breakfast per day. So we were able to order quite a, quite a decent amount of food, and it was all really good, high-quality stuff. The Park Hyatt in San Diego is really stunning, absolutely stunning. Uh, one of the Wait, best Hyatts in the world. Do they let you take your – actually, does rooming service exist? I guess it doesn't exist right now. Or if, if it does, do they let you take your breakfast as room service? Like I remember, I think Park Hyatt New York let us do that. Or maybe it was Vendome. I can't remember. Yeah, most Park Hyatts do allow that. 
I didn't ask here because I wanted to eat in the restaurant. I know the restaurant just opened, so I know that they had been allowing the room service breakfast, and I assume that they would at this Park Hyatt too, um, but we ate at the restaurant uh, both days. But $120, uh, there was three of us, and um, we were able to order uh, more food, obviously, than we could eat, and uh, we never even hit the $120. We were pretty close every day, but uh, the food was really good. Local stuff, like uh, they had a birria, which is a, uh, a Mexican kind of beef uh, like shredded beef, birria Benedict. That was, that was amazing. Their pancakes were good. Everything was what you would expect at a Park Hyatt breakfast. Uh, you know, and that's, was it better? Was it better than blue duck? It was, yeah, right up there. I would say they didn't have like crab and things like that on the menu. So they could have probably had some more higher end ingredients. If you want to nitpick, that'd be the only difference, but, uh, everything was good. The restaurant service was a little slow, but they had just reopened a week before. So, um, I don't, you know, they're going to take them some time to figure that out. But the hotel has just gone under a $50 million renovation. And these may be some of my favorite rooms anywhere. I mean, the rooms are, are stunning. Um, the public areas are amazing. Um, this property is just absolutely gorgeous. And I had put off staying there for years because the rooms, um, it used to be a Four Seasons and the rooms were sort of old world Four Seasons style. They didn't look very nice. And what they've done to the rooms now is like I said, stunning. I, I, I loved it. I couldn't speak highly enough about this hotel and the condition that it's in. They also have a brand new pool area that they built, uh, water slides, uh, beach area for the kids, splash pad, a heated pool for the families, and then a brand new adults pool. So they redid their entire pool areas, all their public areas. Um, yeah, they did a, a wonderful job. Rick, Rick said it's technically Carlsbad, just so people know. Not San yes, Diego. Carlsbad is in the San Diego metropolitan area. So as is, but yes, it is in Carlsbad. It's actually, it's actually just a minute away from just giving you some ish. Yeah. (laughs) But it is, it is only about five minutes from, from Legoland. So if you are a Legoland lover, then you can stay there and get very easily there. Have you been to Legoland? See, I've never gone. I've thought about it for the kids because they're kind of like that perfect age for it. But I just don't know if there's enough there for the price tag they want. I have, I've gone to Legoland in, in uh, San Diego area and it's called Legoland San Diego, despite the fact that it's in Carlsbad. I wonder why, but I've been to Legoland there when my son was four. So it's been a while. So I think we're going to take Ellie there. And I do want to go to the one in Florida, which is the old Cypress Gardens. And then there's a new one opening in New York this year. So bad timing for them, I think with the pandemic, but they are opening a new Legoland. So that'll be a good one. So what was it like being in California in general? Did it feel the same as being in Nevada or I have barely been out of the state. So I'm just curious what your experience was like traveling in general. Yeah, I was thinking it was going to be pretty rough just based on what I had read about the restrictions and everything else. But of course they had recently loosened everything up and they were allowing outdoor dining and stuff. And I feel like it felt similar to to Nevada. I didn't feel like everybody was, it was overly restrictive, but in Nevada we have mask mandates everywhere. So I'm used to having to wear a mask everywhere, which is similar to there, but no indoor dining was the big difference, I think, between there and here. Uh, You couldn't uh, eat inside, but uh, we weren't uh, trying to do that too often, so it didn't make a huge difference. We ate one meal uh, by the Grand Hyatt in San Diego. We ate uh, at the Cheesecake Factory. They had patios. One, One thing I noticed just driving through all of Southern California is all of the restaurants have outdoor dining areas that they've set up in their parking lots and everywhere else. And that's not a thing that we see too much here just because they haven't had to. And then what would you say out of the entire trip, what do you think was like the highlight or did you have a highlight that, you know, this is the thing that I I love the most about this trip? 
Well, we didn't set out to do too much. Um, we did drive, we left Newport Beach and then we drove down the Pacific Coast Highway all the way to San Diego, which I had actually never driven the coast 100% on that stretch. I had done parts of it and I've done pretty much from Los Angeles all the way north uh, into Oregon and stuff. But that stretch is beautiful and lots of cool things to see. So we did that, flew the drone. That was a beautiful day. Uh, but my favorite part was actually just being at the Park Hyatt, relaxing kind of in the resort atmosphere and just enjoying that resort kind of feel without being at home, different scenery, stuff like that. So it was really a chill trip, but it was nice to do that and to add two more hotels to my growing list of a thousand plus. And uh, we will keep that uh, that that going. Thousand and three. Or thousand and two, because I had been at the Grand Hyatt before. So that was already- Oh, thousand and uh, two. Already fat. I know it sucks, doesn't it? Oh, well. But yeah, it was fun. It was good to be Not on impressive. the road. And uh, I would like, it certainly is unimpressive. There's a lot more things in the world more impressive than that, for sure. Like but, global uh, yeah. status. <laughs> so especially if you earned it with 30 nights. That is, that is incredibly unimpressive. <laughs> All right. Well, that's enough of, of my trip. But yeah, just people out there travel. It's fun if you're, if you're comfortable with it. And we were able to do it in a completely, you know, distance way. We, drove, we brought our car, brought the Tesla, which was always, uh, which is fun to drive and, and do that with a road trip. So it was just good to get out there and do it in a comfortable way. And uh, we felt good. And I was happy to get away from the same walls that confined me every single day. So let's move on to the next thing. Benji had a article on the site about travel hacking blind spots, or he called it credit card rewards blind spots, but lessons he sort of learned along the way in his journey, uh, things he didn't know at the beginning. Like his first thing is hotel points are the easiest travel, travel currency to redeem. He didn't know that. There's some other ones on the list. Which ones stood out to you guys? Which sort of lessons did you learn along the way that you didn't have any idea of coming in? Well, I know Mark's going to say bank account bonuses because he always talks about this. Yeah. <laughs> so go oh, ahead and come on. I was say getting toasters since I was 16. Come on now. <laughs> so I do, I do really like Benji's last point, number 10. It does feel a little bit like he was looking to make it an even 10 instead of leaving at nine. No, you don't need to go to Mal the Maldives. So that's a nice, that's a nice way to end the post. But then he, <laughs> then he has full disclosure. I've been to the Maldives. So he like, completely... <laughs> that's where I proposed to my wife. <laughs> yeah. So he completely loses credibility with that one. In my opinion, Benji, I'm like sorry I was to saying, say that, but... he was trying to get that, he was trying to get that number 10. He should just have left it at nine. <laughs> no, but that's the, the point that I, you know, I've written about in the past as well, not specific. Well, I've written specifically about well, not, why you'll never see a trip to the Maldives uh, trip report from me, but just the whole basic, whatever reward you want to use, it's a good, it's a good redemption. So that's something that you don't know coming in like early on you're, oh, I have to get this much per point for this, you know, I, ultimate rewards, I have to get over two cents. That's, that's what it says, you know, on these rankings and stuff. That's not true. Like whatever you want to, whatever you want to do, if it, if you don't have the cash and this lets you do it, then do it. I've, I've used points to pay for a dishwasher when, you know, we're tight with money. That was great. I use my, unlike Joe, I use my dishwasher every day, not just, just dry dishes. I wash my dishes in it. So <laughs> throw back to Jess episode offered, like two. <laughs> Jess offered to do the dishes and she was like, I'll just run the dishwasher. And I was like, no, I got it. <laughs> You better scrub them. <laughs> um, people would say that's a bad redemption for points, but it's something I use every day. So I get way more value out of that than I would have gotten a round trip domestic ticket or whatever. So whatever you want to use, use them for, use them for. I thought that was a really good point. You know, cash back or whatever. 
however it works, it works. The goal is to get the most value possible, but it's not like an, a be-all, end-all type of thing. Like, you don't have to shoot for the stars with this stuff. It all depends on your situation and what your goals are. So don't listen to uh, the outside noise, I would say. How about you, Sean? One interesting one that stood out is he put certain cards are worth holding just for the benefits. And I think that that is something a lot of newer people get wrong or maybe even people not engaged in this hobby. They see an annual fee and they're instantly like, no, I just don't want an annual fee. And they don't sort of look at what the benefit is to them. Um, but on the flip side of that, a lot of people are paying annual fees and not getting the benefits. So it does weigh, uh, does even itself out. But there are cards, like, for instance, the Aspire card or some of the premium cards that in for the right people in the right circumstances give you much more value than what you're putting in. Although over the years, that's probably become less and less as the banks have been able to figure out how to tweak their their products. Uh, City Prestige in the past was that card that just gave so much value. I, that, I think that has to be the most Rest valuable peace, card. City Prestige. Seriously. Yeah, the old City Prestige. Yeah, that so. or Aspire. Aspire like pays you to keep the card, but Prestige had more optimal value i guess you could say or like the the ability to really bring in the bucks <laughs> where the aspire like is guaranteed almost if you use it properly but yeah the prestige was my favorite card and they nerfed it within like eight months and made it trash just like city yeah that one was like just <laughs> watching them over the course they did that first evaluation and then they just kept going like every six months or a year uh, for a while and they just like cut it down to nothing well, and that was a it sad was one. so bizarre because you could take a couple things like the golf benefit or the lounge act, the American lounge, American airlines lounge access, or the 1.6 cents redemption on American Alliance. Take like one or two of those things, but they were just like, nah, we're going to throw it all in the trash. It was so weird. That's city though. All right. Well, I think uh, this is a great article. And uh, if you're interested, check it out. Cause there are a lot of interesting things on here and some lessons learned along the way. He talks about portals, prepaying expenses, a lot of other cool stuff that we didn't, hit and some good information, I think, uh, for people who are newer to the hobby and people who are like us and like to tell stories of the past, like how good the city prestige used to be. And uh, let's move on to rapid fire. Mark, you want to start us off? Today, I wrote a, an article about thank you points. There's sometimes if you're a little bit late on your bill, which we didn't know at the time when I wrote it, but if you're a little bit late on your bill, they'll hold the points back and you have to actually scroll to the bottom of your thank you points uh, summary and check a box to to reinstate those even if you've paid the bill it's not automatically reinstated so something to check your accounts for make sure that you don't have any points missing or points stranded there because if they've sit there for too long they do have an expiration date which i think is a little bit shady but if you've ever even if you just missed it for like a day or two there could be points trapped there so worth checking your account i give you the whole step-by-step -step details of how to do it check it out make sure you don't have anything stranded how about you joe so Seth Miller on uh, PaxX.Arrow posted today, or at least is the first place I saw it, that JetBlue is getting rid of change fees and also changing up their blue basic fares. Yeah, basic. I, this, yeah, this stood out to me because I think I've said before that I spend on my JetBlue car to get Mosaic every year. But the main reason why I get Mosaic is to avoid change fees. And, you know, I'm not sure what JetBlue is going to offer Mosaic's they can't do upgrades because there's only mint on like what 30 flights a day they got rid of change fees so it's great for non-mosaic people but it's got me thinking you know i'm sure it'll play itself out throughout the year but you know maybe i don't spend my way to mosaic this year so that is uh 
my rapid fire. I also want to say, I was going to say it at the top. I have been kind of following along with the storms in the South and a lot of, I've been seeing a lot of burst pipes. There are people in the travel hacking community who have had to like move into hotels. And so I just want to say for everyone down there in the South, it's like very weird since we're barely getting any snow here in New England this year, but I hope everyone's safe down there because you know, it is a mess uh, with all the power outages and stuff like that. So I hope everyone's good down there. So those are my two rapid fires. What about you, Sean? I will hold on a second. I wanted to say on, I do feel like airline elite status has been devalued overall. Like Delta is the same thing, like free award flight changes and stuff for top tier elites. And now everybody can do it. So is it worth chasing status anymore? Has it always been kind of a myth? But with these things, those are the the biggest perks usually of status is free changes on award flights or, or cash tickets, that type of thing. And now it's all the U.S., the main U.S. airlines have included it for everyone. So it's kind of like, what's the point? I don't know. I mean, I'm definitely happy for everybody. Like, it's great for all flyers and stuff like that. But it just makes, like you said, yeah, what's the point of having status like, anymore? Yeah. I mean, it was already mostly pointless, but now it's becoming, like, completely pointless. Yeah, I, I mean, if, you're, if your work's paying for your flights and stuff and you earn it anyway, that's fine. But... I don't know if it's worth chasing anymore, at least for the time being. I'm sure they said this is long term, but I'm sure once travel picks up and airline uh, flights are full again, they'll they'll reverse all of this and then status will be worth something again. But for the time being, I wouldn't I wouldn't be chasing status just because of that. Yeah, I think you make a good point. I think that we will see uh, a lot of reversals down down the line. They they need status. They need these elite programs to drive loyalty. It makes them a lot of money. And so they will have to find ways to differentiate them, their elites. And I think in a couple of years, they'll walk back some of these changes and maybe they'll be innovative and, and find some new perks and things to, to offer as they try to compete. Yeah. One more point, like, okay, you say upgrades or whatever. If you're flying Delta and you get upgraded to first, you can fly economy and have the empty middle seat is first better you're closer to people in first than you are in economy. Plus there's more likely to be empty rows, rows in economy. So are you better off, you know, moving your seat last minute or, or what? It's just, it's a weird setup right now in a weird world we live in. And speaking of weird, Apple is giving away their news app for free for six months. And that's my rapid fire. Uh, Apple news plus is their $10 a month subscription service, which gives you access to like premium news content and, magazines, full magazines, cover to cover. And Apple News is pretty good because they do curate the news compared to like Google News, which is more like Facebook. It's algorithm driven. And it started to, starts to kind of show you the same stories over and over again that you're interested in. Apple News, I find, is a little bit better. And uh, six months for free on Best Buy. We have an article on the site. If you're a current subscriber, they're giving you five months for free, which I thought was interestingly generous. So check it out. And I've been using it and enjoying it. So I think I might make the switch from Google News because I have not been satisfiled with Google News lately. Yeah, because uh, I haven't seen a single Miles see- Memories article on Google News for like a month. <laughs> well, they yeah, there, there's that too. They give, me, they give me like four of the same article from different websites and stuff. And it's, it, it is very annoying. Google News. They I was just talking to my wife about this right before I hopped on here. The other annoying thing about Google News is I cannot Google anything without it showing up in my Google News. So I've been watching this Korean drama with Jess, but I do not want to read about Korean dramas on Google News. So I have to go incognito to look up like anything. So this goes (laughs) with stuff like this goes with stuff like 
Uh, what, what else was I looking up incognito the other day? Just like random. Oh, uh, I've been watching the expanse and reading the expanse books, but I don't want to read articles about it on Google news. So I've been doing great all my show. browsing. About show. It is a great show. I've been doing all my browsing about that incognito. It's just like Google, leave me alone. Like I don't yeah. want news about every single thing I've Googled once in my life. All I get is real housewives in New Jersey stuff lately on my Google news. So that tells you, all right, that'll do it for us uh, this week. Joe, where can people find you uh, when they're not listening to this podcast? Ryan, you can find me all over social media at As Joe Flies. And yeah, that is about it. What about you, Mark? You can uh, send at As The Joe Flies a DM and ask for my deets and he'll give them to you. No, I'm just kidding. On Twitter at Detroit Mark, email me mark at milestomemories.com. Comment on any of the articles on the website. Join our Facebook group, our Patreon group, if you want to live chat or just hang out, all available to you there all the time. How about you, Sean? Milestomemories.com for tons of articles every single week. And then Mark and I have our... How many? Uh, you know, it's uh, we're, we're still tabulating that number, but uh, stay tuned next week and uh, we'll let you know. Uh, MTMVegas.com is our new portal for all of our Vegas content. So everything's sort of funneled in there, the MTM Vegas video podcast and then any of our posts about uh, that are all at mtmvegas.com and for this show mtmpodcast.com where you can find links to subscribe and uh, thanks so much for listening talk to you next time see ya bye And we, (laughs) I can't apparently do two things at once. It's fine. A question for you. One of her, one of hers is, is Hostel's World. Have you used that for one of your thousand states? Is that, did you use Hostel World Uh, app for one of your? I I have used the HostelWorld.com before the Hostel World app existed uh, way back when for a stay, but not, not too much. Um, but so so that was like three of the blah, blah. thousand nights, three of the thousand time, nights. Time out, time out, time out. You're counting. We got to cut that hostile? out because no, we got to cut that because he's trying to preempt my joke from later in the show because he already knew I was going to joke about it. So you see that? Shame on you, Mark. Shame, shame, shame. Oh, outtake number two. I think he had to know it was me because why would he randomly oh, comment you. about your Uber driver? No, I know he didn't. Because I just I posted a picture of just like oh like I think I made a joke like oh this Uber driver has a really big monitor. He's like, what the hell? Yo, y'all are lucky I don't have school this week because it's going to take me like four hours to edit. All right.